Welcome everyone um, to Let's Talk Activism, a Unite 2030 podcast and compliments of the season to everyone. Well, it's not the season anymore. <laughs> We're kind of over that. <laughs> but I just hope everyone had a, a, a wonderful holiday season and a wonderful festive season. And yeah, I'm back. I'm Anita Gerber, all the way from Zanzi, also known as South Africa. And today I have two um lovely ladies that i'm with um i'll let them introduce themselves in a sec so yeah <laughs> who wants to introduce themselves first <laughs> hi i'll go uh my name is Alyssa chasman i am the founder and ceo of unite 2030 and i'm just really happy to be here with uh two incredible change makers oh thank you Alyssa. hi <laughs> hi Alyssa. <laughs> hi <Vicky. laughs> Hi everyone. I'm I'm Vicky Vicky Welling from the Netherlands, and uh, I, I uh, I'm really happy that I'm here. Also, exciting news. Um, Vicky will be co-hosting with me. <laughs> so for the next couple of episodes, Vicky will be my co-host. So that's exciting. <laughs> I can't wait to start this journey <laughs> with you, Vicky. Um, also, I'm not sure whether our listeners oh. know we have changed our platforms from um, SoundCloud. We are now on Anchor and Spotify. Super excited for that. Super excited for uh, Unite 2030 and this podcast, especially because we have reinvented it. We have um, shifted a couple of things. We have um, gone back to the drawing board to sort of uh, make sure that we fully capture um, what young change makers want. So the aim for the podcast um, now for 2021 is to facilitate intergenerational conversations. So each and every week we'll have a guest, um, hopefully um, guests from um, high organizations or big organizations to speak um, to us about relevant topics surrounding SDGs and activism. So yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm super excited for that. Um, so yeah. So Alyssa, let's um, get into today's um, topic. We will be speaking about Unite 2030 and the work of Unite 2030. And we might also get into um, the person behind Unite 2030 as well. So we might get a little personal. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so just tell us about Unite 2030. Tell our viewers, um, listeners about Unite 2030. What is Unite 2030 about? Yeah, so uh, I founded Unite 2030 uh, a little bit over four years ago now. Uh, we're approaching our four and a half year mark um, as a way to empower young people to solve the biggest problems that the world faces. And it was really based on my own experience of being a young leader, working in the field of sustainable development and feeling really disconnected from my own ability to create change. So I wanted to create a platform for young leaders to come together, uh, united in a common goal, regardless of whether we're interested in climate change or gender equality or poverty, but really create a space for young leaders to have their voices heard and, and come together on these issues. So uh, we take a, a, a multifaceted approach to developing our change makers. We look not just at the world of sustainable development, but we look at uh, including leadership in the process um, and really look at what does it mean to be a change maker in our society and how can we empower more young people to use leadership in order to solve the biggest challenges that the world faces. Hmm. So how many um, initiatives does Unite 2030 drive? So we have a few right now. So obviously COVID has thrown uh, <laughs> Unite 2030 through a little bit of a loop right now. So our primary program that we run right now is the Youth Delegate Program. Um, it's a three month intensive leadership training program, which you two are both a part of. Uh, and we also have uh, 70, 75 other delegates from around the world who are also a part of the YDP. Uh, we also run several other smaller programs uh, right now. So we uh, host our Youth SDG Summit. We run a variety of events that are free and open to the community. So any change maker can come if they would like to. We also have our local chapter program, which uh, was, um, uh, was, definitely a challenge through these COVID times. Uh, it was, we launched it at the very end of 2019 with this idea of like blossoming all these 
local chapters on the ground. And uh, and now we've kind of had to rejig the way that we work things. Um, but those are our primary programs right now. We also have our Camp 2030 Summit. Uh, which was due to be hosted during the General Assembly in New York, uh, an innovation lab, a six-day innovation lab in New York uh, during the time of, of UNGA, but that's on hold for now until we can figure out what's going on with the world. Yeah, right. Wow, I, I just want to ask, like, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it has. I would, I would say that these are, are really big achievements. Um, is, is there one of them which you find the biggest achievement? of uh from united 2030 for for the for last year or maybe yeah, actually for overall for overall i mean i think that the answer to the question is the same i'm really proud of what this community has been able to to achieve over the last four and a half years in particular in the last six months or seven seven months really i mean i think if covid caught, taught us anything it's that we can kind of be creative and be innovative. And that's exactly what we tried to do with reframing our youth delegate program. It was, it was actually our first program we ever ran way back in 2017. It looks completely different now than it did then um, in pretty much every level. But uh, I am really proud of our ability to listen to the needs of our community in these weird times and create a space where young people can come together. And truly through the YDP, I've been able to see um, to see young people blossom uh, on a personal level and get to know uh, our delegates really inside and out. Um, a lot of what we were doing before, yes, we did get to know members of our community, but it was still sort of at a, a distance. You know, we were hosting events, you know, all the time for our community and people were coming and going, but it, it didn't allow us to build one-on-one -on -one connectivity with our, our community members over a sustained period of time. And so our youth delegate program has really allowed us uh, the space to be able to do that because that's, I mean, I think that's what change making is all about is that deep connectivity amongst change makers. If we wanna create partnerships and develop our networks and things like that, we need to build friendships first, relationships that are, are rooted in honesty and transparency. And so that's what that's what the YDP is all about. And I'm really proud of our ability to, to lean into this weird moment in time and and just fix something <laughs> yeah that's really amazing i agree i agree that really is Thank amazing you. do you know how like how many people you've you've reached through unite 2030 roughly yeah so we have thirteen thousand, around thirteen thousand community members um they've been involved in various ways to some degree uh, or another. Uh, that doesn't include people that just kind of maybe would randomly roll up to one event here and there, but aren't officially a community member. Um, so this last year we had about 4,000 different individual people attend our events. Um, and that is, you know, some of them are community members, some aren't. It, it's hard to kind of gauge, but I would, I would guesstimate we work uh, at least uh, indirectly with at least 20,000 young people every year. Mm. It would be a guess. Don't, don't, don't hold me to that number, uh, <laughs> but that would be my, my estimate. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, I also wonder, um, uh, what do you think is the most effective way to uh, reach out and, and spread the message of Unite 2030 and, and get more people to join? Yeah, well, I'm really curious your guys' thoughts on this too. I, I think what's been most impactful for, for Unite is being a mission first organization or a mission forward organization is, um, you know, this, this last year, I have seen such a switch in our community members and we could attribute it to a lot of things. We could attribute it to COVID. We could attribute it to the launch of the YDP, but I think a lot of young people are looking to connect not only with each other, but connect with organizations that they feel like matches what they want to get out of their life. And so we as an organization in the last like maybe two years in specific have really started driving our mission until the cows come home. Like everyone that is involved with Unite 2030 knows our mission and knows our values. And I do think that it is attractive to people because we're really, really rooted in ensuring that everything that we do as a community is mission first. And I think that does attract young people to join our community for that reason is because they feel 
moved toward our toward our particular mission. And I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on that kind of like purpose-driven organizations and how like how that in, interacts with young people and uh, you know with with how young people are today, right? Like I just think we're connected more. And we want to feel an emotional pull to the businesses we're buying from, the causes that we're involved in. Um, that's definitely the approach we took. Yeah, I think so too. I definitely think so too. I think because of how like our purpose-driven Unite 2030 has been, um, it, it sort of created a structure for the organization. So it makes it made it so easy for me to join in and just feel like I was a part of you know, Unite 2030 from its inception, from its like infant um, days, you know? So I feel I feel really at home, you know? Um, and I feel like each and every single one of the delegates that are part of the YDP program, YDP two and three, um, I feel like we are on the same path, we are on the same mission and we're just moving together, you know? And I feel, I work with a lot of organizations and I honestly feel like United 2030, I'm not even just saying this because you're here, but, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, um, from the organizations that I work with, I honestly feel like I'm more at home with United 2030. Even my mother can attest to that because I'm always speaking about United 2030. Every time like something funny or, you know, like something weird comes, I'm like, oh, do you know what happened today? <laughs> with Unite <laughs> and I'll like um, tell detail the whole story and everything. I feel at home with Unite 2030. And it's honestly not even just about the fun part, you know, about being at home and feeling comfortable, but also in terms of like my work, I feel like my work ethic has improved so much because each and every one of the delegates I work with are so driven and they are on like beautiful paths and they're working on like um, great initiatives. And that has pushed me a lot. I will not lie, it has pushed me so much um, into like finding myself and just like finding my footing and finding like my work ethic and what I actually like. And yeah, honestly, um, Unite 2030 has been a big stepping stone for me um, in terms of my career and just like, you know, catapulting me further and forward really. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Vicky? <laughs> You're still <Ooh>. new though. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this is great. I, I really love what you just said. Cause I, I feel like even though I've only been here for two weeks now, uh, I get so much energy just from looking forward to all of the, all of the calls and the meetings and, and even like the coffees on what, whatever day of the week, I just, I feel the connection between people also just really drives me and everyone is so inspiring and motivating. And I feel like, oh, I want to get to know that person and that person. And <laughs> know. Yeah, it's, There's so it's much amazing. going on all the time and so many people to like tap into at every moment exactly. that it's like, it's almost, there's like so much stimuli. Like how do I make the most of this moment here? And like something that Anita, you said that really sticks with me is this idea of home, like feeling, feeling at home. Like we all know that feeling of what it feels to be at home. Like when you have been gone for a week or even like 12 hours from your house and you get home and you take your jeans off. <laughs> like, I don't know that maybe that's just me. Like first thing I do, I walk in the door. I'm like jeans off, bra off, like pajamas, going to the couch. And like just that comfort feeling of being like in your own space. And I have been thinking a lot about that, that sort of analogy and that feeling in Unite because that it is a similar feeling to how I get when I'm around you guys. Um, and it, it is this feeling of, of home and it is this feeling of like reveling in how cool is it that we get to sit and like be in a in a room, albeit it's a virtual room right now, and hopefully it will be a real life room in the future. But you know, we're in this virtual space with people from all over the world. And I forget that we're all from all over the world because it just reinforces how much we have in common with one another and how safe I feel and how comfortable I feel around people who on the surface. I have maybe nothing in common with. We don't speak the same language. We don't have the same culture. Like, you know, what you do when you shut your laptop and go and disappear into your house, into your home that I will never see 
it might look completely different from you know what what my life looks like when I go shut my laptop and go into my house that you never see and how can we create this space where we all feel this this feeling in our stomachs and in our hearts of home and of safety yeah it is it's it's honestly so beautiful and it's so calming it's so relaxing because and I like this like uh, it's not even a paradox it's a complex feeling it's a complex situation because as much as I'm very comfortable but I know that I am working you know like there's something substantial that I'm doing, either be it for my own personal develop, development or be it like for my career, you know, it, 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 it's a crazy feeling. It, it, it's not just about fun as much as it is so much fun being a part of Unite 2030, but it doesn't end there. It, it's like making work fun, you know, making self-development fun. <laughs> and uh, even like with my public speaking abilities and just being able to, to, to be able to present myself and actually utter complete sentences in front of people because you know I do exactly <laughs> I struggled a lot with that I struggled a lot with like communicating and just like um you know um giving all of myself in like a complete sentence in a complete um way I felt like sometimes I I felt misunderstood. I felt disconnected. Like, you know, having this, like, dis I had this disconnect from like what I thought in my mind and what I say. And um, slowly over like um, the couple of months, that has improved so much. Um, and just my self confidence around people, people that I feel intimidated around, you know, and also the imposter syndrome. It, it's crazy, Alyssa. It's so crazy. <laughs> It is so crazy. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. I think a lot of young people feel that, like when they start getting invited into spaces where they're like, am I even supposed to be here? Exactly. But I feel like it's kind of like a fake it, fake it till you make it thing. It's like, if you want a seat at the table, just pretend like you have one and eventually no one will notice. You're just going to sneak into the side and then you're going to keep getting invited back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. And I really hope Vicky, Vicky, I hope you 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 will have like a similar journey with Unite 2030 uh, for the coming three months and hopefully even um, further than that. Um, oh, honestly, yes. yeah, Unite 2030 <laughs> has just been a great stepping stone for me. Oh, yeah, I hope to have the same same experience as you because it it's just sounds so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> But I, I feel so like the imposter syndrome that just I never thought like other people had the same feeling. So I was like, OK, this is great to know that I'm not the only one. <laughs> All these amazing people have the same same thoughts as me. And that's that's so great to see. And it, it gives you so much more motivation of like what you can also achieve. I think that's one of the, the beautiful parts of it to be able to connect with all of these people that you would look up to. And, and, and they also have struggles and also have hardships but they go through them in a certain way that, yeah, helps them yeah, go further. I, I actually have a question about that because um, I was wondering, Alyssa, how, how do you deal with hardships? Like what kind of process do you go through to, um, to, to, to help yourself, to push yourself for, for anyone who's listening? What kind of advice would you give? Yeah, so I, I kind of chuckled at your question because I, <laughs> I'm a really sensitive person just by nature. I uh, I don't I'm not like big into zodiac, but I'm a cancer, and I that is we're, we're sensitive. Uh, really. um, and I I don't take hardship very well. I crumble really quick, but what I have been able to exercise is how quick I get up from the crumble. So I tend to kind of like go in on myself. So like it, I'll have a really stressful day or something will go wrong and I feel out of control and I'll give myself a day and a half, let's say. I don't put a time limit on it, but I'm like, okay, I know that this feeling of hopelessness, of despair, of anxiety, and discomfort is temporary. And I know that I will come out the other side. That's, that's just, that's how life works. Like we, we have hardships in life and we, we will come out the other side. 
eventually, you know, it may be five, 10 years down the line, but we will. Um, and I give myself that space to kind of sit in my, my sadness. And then I brush myself up and I get up the next day and I know it's a new day and what I can, I know what I can do and I know what I'm good at. And I know what I'm good at is being proactive about situations. So when situations arise, is there something that I can do right now to either put the cork in this situation and bottle it there for a little bit, for a little bit of time and maybe it'll explode later, but maybe the cork will just be in it for now. Or is there something I can do to ensure that, you know, if the bottle pops and the, the champagne's going everywhere and it's getting all over everything to make sure that it doesn't touch anything valuable. That sounds like kind of a really ridiculous analogy, but I love it. I know that I'm not in control of everything that happens. And so giving myself the space to acknowledge why, why is this challenging? Why is this hard? And in my case, because I am sensitive, why is this making me have this emotional reaction to it? Am I insecure? Do I have, I had experiences that have caused me to feel this way. And I sit in that for a second and then I go, okay, I can sit here all day and nothing's going to get fixed, but you know, it is important to give yourself that space to like reflect on what's happening um, as you're trying to, you know, solve that problem. I think too, because like, because I am sensitive, um, is, uh, and I, I know Anita, you have said things like this to me where I'm like, girl, I see you. I react sometimes, or my nature is to react impulsively. Like just to like, we got to rip the bandaid off really quick. Just do something because it needs to be fixed right now. But it has been a, a practice of sitting back in that emotion before I do something. And reflecting. Yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> I am an impulsive person, very impulsive. Especially when it comes to things and injustices, especially when things are like very sensitive, like injustices, like how on earth, why are you being like this? Or why is the situation like this? It needs to be fixed right now, you know? So, um, (laughs) and this is something that I've learned from you. You said um, the same thing last year when I was was, uh, speaking to you about this. You know, you just need to sometimes relax and just reflect and understand the whole situation in its entirety before you take the next step. Because sometimes you take, a, you take a step, not realizing how the situation is complex, not realizing you know, how, how everything is like built in together. And you are there taking the next step without analyzing the entire situation and there you fall flat on your face. You know, and it's happened to me a couple of times, you know, where I thought I was doing something right by just impulsively going into or taking a decision and then I fall flat on my face because I didn't realize how complex or how big the situation is, you know. And yeah, that's definitely something that I, I've, I've taken um, into heart and I try yeah. to <laughs> it, it does um, cause us to like, look at the situation from a bird's eye view when we do have the ability to step back in that. And, and as a fellow impulsive person, I relate in so many ways of just like, okay, like, and I like my impulsiveness because I do think that it has benefited me in many ways because I, I'm like, I have an idea and I want to run with it, but I do know, and I have self-awareness of the times where it has not gone my way. And so I know the times where I'm like, okay, this is a moment where like impulse will be on my side. Um, and now I know when impulse will not be on my side. <laughs> and, uh, luckily I have people around me that have helped me slow down and just take a breath and know how to react with, with calmness and with strategy and with, with just like an open, open mind and open heart to, to hardship. Um, yeah, it's really great to like take both approaches because I'm I'm also an impulsive person and sometimes you know like for your instinct says this is the best option this is how it should go and that's how you kind of get led into it but yeah I, I think the way that you explain with like the introspective um, like view of yourself and who you are and what you need I think that's very important for for everyone to really take 
step back and 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 get to know themselves to to grow mentally and be able to solve their problems uh, effectively and i think mm. i think that's a very great way like how to do that um as you explained to to, to give yourself rest give yourself space it's really really good yeah <laughs> and rest uh, rest yes yeah and and failure is not a bad thing because you learn from failure right so that's also i think a very very good way to to look at things okay this might have went wrong but i could do this next time or this still went well yeah i think that's yeah, yeah, definitely i think i, I think, think failure Oh, go ahead, Anita. <laughs> okay, now, I was I was going to say that I think with failure, it's really important that you introspect really hard so that you take your lesson the first time. So you don't have to have the same situation three times. <laughs> I have to victim to that. Oh no, <laughs> <And> my own <laughs> fault <laughs> because I, I I failed to recognize where I went wrong, and I took I made the same decisions over and over again and felt you know failed three times, four times in a row. So it's very important for yourself to save yourself from going through it three times to really introspect and observe and analyze the situation really hard the first time. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. I think like what I've been trying to do with, with failure recently, because like, yeah, failure, you know, we learn from failure all the time, but like, Sometimes you don't realize, I think, till like three years after you failed that you failed and like the reasons behind it. I'm trying to do a lot better. Maybe I'm not doing as well of it, but I'm trying my best to like clock my failure in real time. Like as something's going wrong, take an inventory of what I could have done better and not dwell on it, but just touch on it and put it in the back of my brain so that later when the failure is done and over with and I can look back, then I can acknowledge how I was feeling in that moment of failure. And it's been a lot easier for me, I think, in trying that practice of just being like, I am tripping over my own feet right now. Like, you know, when you're walking, you're like running up the stairs and you trip on the stairs and you fall forward and like, it happens in slow motion all the time, I swear. Like, you're like, no, and then you like put your hands down and try and catch yourself. And like, when I got doored with a car, I this summer I was riding my bike and somebody hit me with a car door and I flipped over the top of the door. It was the slowest moment of my life. It was like, I saw everything, my whole life flashed before my eyes, I flipped over the car door. But that's how I feel about failure almost, is that it can happen so fast if we let it. But if we take the time to process what's happening, my life flashing before my eyes before we fall. I'm using all these ridiculous analogies. Today. I'm never, they never do this. <laughs> but it has helped me to be a little bit more aware of what's happening in front of me. So it makes the reflection process on the back end easier. Mm -hmm. We're actually running out of time. <laughs> but oh let's get into like the sustainability questions um wh what would you say is your favorite sdg i know we're not supposed to be like picking and choosing but what is your favorite sdg um well so i think one that is particularly close to my heart is sdg5 gender equality i think i would say that's probably the, the one that is most that i have a, a personal connection to the most um i I love being a woman just on a personal level. Like I, I find womanhood and I find sisterhood really empowering in the shared female experience. I think just think there's something incredibly powerful about women coming together in our shared experiences. Um, you know, I have, before I uh, did Unite, I, I worked for a women's organization um, and I also, um, uh, I, I lost a friend of mine uh, to mental health after um, after she was sexually assaulted when I was at university. And so I feel really drawn to that because of my personal connection to um, to the cause. Um, but on, on like a work standpoint and what I think is, I guess, the most important for all of us is SDG 17 partnerships. I mean, I think not just partnerships in terms of like organizations working with other organizations, but people working with other people and partnerships in like unity for our cause. Um, 
I think that's the most important. If we want to achieve the SDGs by 2030, um, it's not the one that my heart feels the most compelled to solve, but it is the one that I think is the most important. Okay. Now that you mentioned like um, um, 2030, goal 2030, do you think that it is realistic? Um, looking at where we are right now with uh, you know all of the problems that, that the world is currently facing, especially now during and also post the pandemic, do you think that um, we will be able to achieve all the SDGs by 2030? Um, I do think we have a lot of work to do if we want to get there. Um, I don't want to say no, because I, I think it's really important to have uh, to have a vision, to have something that we're reaching for, to strive for. And we need that finite time because we know we are in a time crunch. Um, but we do need to pick up the pace, all of us, everyone. There is so, so, so much work that needs to be done um, as, as a sustainable development community, um, including, but not limited to, including people in the conversation who don't necessarily align themselves with sustainable development. So many people in the world who are like running animal shelters or working on uh, local grassroots movements that have never heard of the SDGs before. Um, and like, we need to align those people with the agenda. Um, the sector has got to change to include more voices. It just it just has to. Um, so I am I am op I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, and what I know that what I can do is play my part in helping uh, helping others to come together to get there. I like I like what you said, especially with like people not realizing that um, they're working with or they're aligning with a, a, a specific um, SDGs because they just don't know about the SDGs. I know this true with myself as well. Before I was aware um, of like SDGs in the United Nations and Gold 2030, I, would, I, I already co-founded an organization in, in Kailita, but I had no clue that there was an SDG 4 that I'm working in line with. I was just doing it because I thought that was um, the right thing to do. And then, you know, a couple of maybe two years down the line, I was like, oh, wait, I'm actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's this thing called the SDGs and I think I'm a part of it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, it's, I think we really like need to take the information, um, especially down to like the grassroots level because people are doing or driving great initiatives. I can tell you this as much, especially here, like um, from what I've seen, here in Cape Town and here in like the townships, the underprivileged areas, I know a lot of people that are driving amazing, amazing initiatives. Um, sometimes even the initiatives, I'm like, okay, I'm not even sure in which SDG you fall under, but um, all I know is you're doing a really good job. You're doing a really um, great job. I know um, there's this one initiative, um, I forgot that, I think it's, it's called um, Gassi, Gassi, Gassi Theatre. So they're teaching um, yeah, learners and, and yeah, learners in, in Kailicha as well. They're also working in Kailicha. They're teaching them art and, and theater and dance and, you know, just like um, expression, like expressive, um, you know, things, uh, you know, and they're doing a really good job. And, but I, I don't know which SDG they fall under, but all I know is that they're doing a really great job. And I'm not even sure whether they know they are, you know, um, there's such a thing called SDGs, you know? So I think, especially in the grassroots level, I think we need to like um, infiltrate that level and just try to, to align people with like SDGs and just tell them there's this thing, there's this group of other people internationally working towards the betterment of the world. Uh, let's collaborate. Let's talk about it, you know? So, yeah. yeah. How do we reach those people is my question. Like, how do we get to those organizations? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. How, how you, uh, we don't have the answer. <laughs> we can just keep working at it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, th this is this is so yeah, it, it's amazing how there are so many organizations just doing this without any background knowledge on these kinds of goals there are. They're just this is important and we we want to give it to people. 
that's that's a beautiful message um oh a, a question about unite 2030 do you have any future plans with unite 2030 or also maybe thinking of branching out and like a new sister ngo um what, what are you thinking about yeah so there's kind of lots on the horizon obviously with covid things are kind of a question mark so we're trying to figure out how to use this digital space as much as possible so in the right now we're focusing on revamping our local chapter program um, to to focus on allowing for digital space in addition to physical space because especially as a lot of countries are staying in lockdown a lot of countries are exiting lockdown and we've got kind of a weird mix of both it's important to be able to have both frameworks in place so that's kind of on the horizon right now and obviously looking toward uh toward camp 2030 is a big one uh we also have a partnership an incredible partnership with some amazing organizations uh fia foundation uh restless development and the global youth coalition for road safety and we have been working since uh, the General Assembly on a youth manifesto. Um, so we've been collecting um, stories from young people to try and understand the biggest issues that young people are facing from around the world. Um, and we collected that polling data and synthesized it and sort of broke it down. And then now we're about to enter our, our kind of global consultation process where we're collecting actual stories from, from young people by speaking to them directly rather than just an online poll. Um, and we're hoping to present some of the findings later this year, either at high level political forum, uh, which I believe is in July, or at UNGA in September. So that's a that's a big focus right now in terms of uh, not so much programming perspective, but what we're trying to, to do in terms of ensuring that young people are getting their voices heard um, at a high level. Hmm, that's wow. great. That's so amazing, Alyssa. Um, another question from my side, this is a bit of a an off top, not off topic, but like a bit of a tangent. <laughs> um, with regards to like just the voices that you you already have, um, you know, you mentioned the manifesto and, and collecting like youth voices, etc. Are you worried about like the reach that um, we have in terms of um, Unite Twenty Thirty and the other organizations, other great organizations you're working with? Um, in terms of like, are we really infiltrating the grassroots level? This is a question that even I don't know the answer to. Like, how do you think we could get to a point where we have infiltrated the bottom grassroots level? You know, who are not heard, who do not have um, connections, who do not have these devices, who can't have access to like these platforms? This is such a good question and something that we you know we grapple with every day because you know we like to try and you know, we like to think we're inclusive in that you know we provide so many free opportunities for young people to engage with our work um whether it's you know just attending some of our events that we have going on being a part of our community in general sharing resources connecting with people through our community um but are we really being inclusive? No, we're not. And we we can't be fully inclusive and reaching the grassroots until we're on the ground in local communities, which is so hard to do in a digital space because we're immediately alienating everyone who doesn't have access to the internet. That's done. They're, they're out, they can't access our work, period, full stop. We're eliminating people who have maybe sometimes access to the internet those aren't there all of our work right now on a global level is we're we're doing it in english so that's out the door besides our local chapters right now that are that are operating so it eliminates a huge chunk of the youth population who are doing good on the ground so that is what our our local chapter programs key objectives are is trying to improve our relationship with the grassroots will it be perfect Absolutely not. I have no expectations for it to be perfect, especially because these communities that are starting local chapters, in order to have a local chapter, you do have to have one person at least that has access to the internet to be able to connect with our global community. So the communities that are really desperate and need it most, it's so challenging to be able to infiltrate and get down to that level um, and, and ensure that the voices of people without access to the internet who don't speak English are being heard too. And what we're doing right now is just trying to rely on 
on our youth delegates, on our community members who do have internet and who do speak English to be able to sort of articulate the needs of their local communities. But it, it will never be perfect because it is, it's always a constant back and forth of talking about youth inclusion, but acknowledging but how, how can we reach these communities when everything is digital, especially in these, you know, these weird times when we, we don't have a choice to go into communities. We have to be digital. It's really so unfortunate because even I, I, I sometimes sit with this question and just ask myself, like, how much more, like, what can we do more? I'm sure there's a way, but I don't know what way, you know, to, to try to be even more inclusive. Because um, I know in the South African context, once you start bringing up um, things like um, access, once you start bringing up um, things like um, communication, being able to communicate, you've already eliminated you've already eliminated a certain identity. Because in South Africa, identity like your race, your class is attached to like a lot of things. So um, your class, if you can't speak English that's automatically because of a certain class that you are in. If you can't speak English, that's automatically a certain race that you're in, you know? So it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's something that's really unfortunate. And I honestly, I also don't have any answers to it. I don't know how we could solve it, but it's something that I think about like quite often, you know? Because um, I really do think like we do need like the grassroots level, voices being amplified more but i just don't know how we could do that and letting them tell their own stories and not being asked who are sitting in the suburbs somewhere you know having a nice conversation where there's someone out there right now at the dead of night it's it's, it's 10 o'clock almost 10 o'clock in south africa there's someone out there at the dead of night who's just trying to help his neighbor who's just trying to help his community you know um yeah this is something that i think about often and i wish i had a solution i wish um there was like you know one way we could uh just try to be more inclusive and just try to reach out more i don't yeah. know how though it is it's such a dilemma mm -hmm. i you know i don't i, I don't want you know, us to be asking you, Anita, to speak on behalf of all South Africans, because we know that it's so much more complex than that. And you can speak for, you know, you can speak probably fairly well for your immediately, your immediate community, your own uh, social class, your own ethnic group. And, but really only you can speak accurately for Anita and Anita only. Um, and, right now that model is like what we're we're trying to use to expand the number of people so we can have more unified youth voices but until we are millions and millions and millions strong it's you know it's just it, it, it's so challenging and it is a moral dilemma um and and a fair critique of of Unite 2030 and of many organizations, thousands of organizations that are struggling to reach the grassroots in the in the ways that we need to. Yeah. yeah. This is such a difficult question. Uh, I'm actually thinking this might be an interesting uh, question that we could ask uh, Unite 2030 as a whole. Um, maybe also just the realization of the, the kind of dilemma that this is kind of gets you thinking of like, how are there possible ways to be able to still uh, um, get, get these grassroots going? Like, I mean, uh, maybe there is someone out there who has like a very interesting point of view of things and they could come forward and we could all combine these things together. I think um, that might be an interesting uh, question to put forward because no one has the answer right now, but maybe together we can all, um, kind of stitch it together in, in a sense, uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea, Vicky. I really do like that idea. And yeah, like I said, like, I think for me, it's just like very, I don't want to say frustrating, but it's something that bothers me a lot. As someone who has been like a middle child, uh, who has been in the middle, like middle class, and also like somewhere in between black and white, because of like I went to like white 
school, but I lived in a black township, you know? So I know how, like, um, how, how the situation is on the ground. And at the same time, I have access to like um, things that most of like my peers back in the township don't have access to. And it's just so frustrating because I just wish I could bring everyone because it's just so authentic. Like the stories in the townships are so authentic, you guys. Um, the stories in, in, even in the villages, they're so authentic, they're so true. Not saying that, um, you know, because of our class, we're not authentic, but I just wish we could have like more diversity, more stories being told, more, you know, just people to get the grips or to understand the situation on the ground and how complex the situation is. When we speak about townships, I know we, we probably think about, oh, this horrible place, everyone is just killing each other, it's like crime-ridden, drugs and everything. But it's, it's, it's like a, a, a paradox of some sort, like a, what do you call it, a juxtaposition picture, you know? As much as, yeah, there's all these social ills going on, but the people, they're just so beautiful, you know? Um, I know at home, if like we need, or we are short of maybe bread for me to go to school next, the next day, my mom could just pop by our neighbor's house. Or, you know, like if there's a, a, an event at my house, maybe there's a funeral, I know the whole community will come as a collective to help, you know, and many other beautiful stories. And I just wish we could just, people could just like have access to that um, or be exposed to that conversation, be exposed to that um, situation and just know about it, you know, and not just the killings and the horrible stuff, but just how beautiful it is at the same time. Just understand how weird it is even for us to be in the township because it's a love-hate relationship, honestly. Um, because I, I love the township, but at the same time, I don't love I don't love what is going on, you know, sometimes. So mm -hmm. I just wish we could have like those stories and just like amplify them and just have them heard on a global scale, you know? And yeah. Yeah. All we can do, I think, is just we'll just keep fighting for it and and keep failing for it too it's like I think people expect perfection and I think of this like yeah. world of this world of kind of cancel culture it's like you are either a hundred percent inclusive or you're canceled and you know we get sometimes emails to our inbox that says what you're doing is not inclusive to um french speakers because you don't have french subtitles on your events and that, that's one particular email that just came to mind that we got and you know it's like okay but if we're including french subtitles on all of our we also have to have spanish subtitles and mandarin subtitles and everyone's local languages on subtitles and how can we possibly do that and it's it's we can continue to strive for ensuring access to these stories for young people on a global stage. Um, but it's also okay to try to try new things and and fail at them and figure it out as we as we go. And so that's very much been a learning and growth experience for us, especially as we launched our local chapters last year, we did get to see a lot more grassroots energy, but not to the level that we need to. And so with this revamp of our, our chapter program, we're hoping to be able to reach uh, those who are uh, who who are in those uh, those living situations, which we can't can't necessarily see in front of us. I'm, I'm actually thinking like maybe we could um, start something with a group here in the United 2030, just just like a off the record, maybe a thing, but that that uh, people who know of local grassroots or acquainted with them, that they share those stories uh, with the group from uh, this this global group, so that they get their stories heard, that it gets out there, and and yeah, maybe we could also do podcasts about them, so that we can record them, and actually people would be able to see or watch them, uh, or I mean, listen to them, <laughs> and. Uh, and and that and that way maybe we're able to bring out these grassroots for more people to know about them and to to interact with them maybe as well because um we're the ones with the internet connection as you say and the ones that maybe do not have them uh but people who do know of them and have that internet connection maybe might be able to help yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it 
<laughs> yeah. We have a conversation. You ladies are doing it. Or I. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, I love the teamwork here. Like, I'm coming up with this problem, and Alyssa's coming up with some sort of structure, and then Vicky's like, let's implement it by doing that. You know? There we go. Yes. I'm trying to delegate. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll be like, Unite 2030 should do this. And I'm like, do it. <laughs> I'm like, yes. you have my seal of approval. Do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is yeah, I, I love this. I'm gonna I'm gonna just start small with the WhatsApp group and just put it in there, like, okay, join it. Just please join it. And then uh, I I hope I hope this will uh get somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh wow. I think it would be great. I want to see you think it would be great. Um, but yeah, so Alyssa, with, with Unite 2030, like where would you say you see Unite 2030 in like five to 10 years time? Ooh, yes. Like what's Ooh. your overall and goal for Unite 2030? And has that even changed from like your initial goal for Unite 2030? <laughs> Ooh, good one. Um, 10 years, well, in 10 years, the sustainable development goals will have been achieved and there will be no need for Unite 2030 anymore, is the dream. Uh, I would love for the SDGs to be achieved by 2030, all youth to be empowered and emboldened and change the world. Um, You know, in the, in the immediate time, uh, see, I'm like, I'm a futuristic thinker to a degree. And I think, you know, when you're running an organization, you have to be a super futuristic thinker, but I'm also not stubborn enough to think that my plans aren't going to be derailed by, I don't know, a pandemic or, (laughs) you know, whatever the world throws. Um, And so, you know, as much as I can plan ahead for those times, I I am aware that those plans are fleeting um, and that things things change and evolve over time. So right now I'm really focused on on this local chapter effort and and our youth delegate program. And and now we're, we're scaling the number of people who young people who can change the world. That's kind of the phase of our organization that we're in right now is we've got all of our frameworks in place. Now let's bring more young people in, bring more young people in, bring more young people in. And so I think over the next like year, what what I'm what my goal is is to really streamline our processes and to make them um to make it as uh I, I don't want to say idiot proof, but kind of idiot proof as possible. Um, Right now, like, you know, this is only the, this is the third time we've run the youth delegate program, the second time we've run it in its current form. And so we're still learning, they're still moving pieces, the logistics are still sometimes take a little bit slower to get off the ground. But if we can, you know, work with 100 delegates, 125, 150, 200 youth delegates, and make this experience um, expansive, because our goal for the YDP is to create more change makers so that those change makers can then create more change makers. Because when we do that, we can multiply our impact. So that's sort of the overall goal right now with the youth delegate program, as well as our local chapter program is really streamlining what those processes look like so that on the ground in those in the more grassroots areas, they can create more change makers and create more change makers. So while that's not the the, I guess, more strategic five, 10 year plan, uh, that is the ultimate goal is to create an entire generation of change makers who are empowered and emboldened to change the world. Um, and in regards to your second question of, is it what, uh, what I initially set out, uh, initially set out to do? Uh, the answer is yes and no. Um, I actually wish I, I could probably dig it up if I took like three minutes, but I recently found the first strategic plan for Unite that I ever made in 2016. And um, it's like, it's like my little business plan. So it's got like my mission and it's got my, what we do and it has my, my values and this like kind of some stuff. And when I look at it, the heart of it is the same. Like I look back at the, the person I was, the young woman I was when I wrote that down. And I'm like, the heart of that girl is the same as the heart of this girl now. But what is different is now I have four and a half years behind my back of failure uh, to inform what is now. Um, and that that four and a half years of failure um, has ensured that the evolution of the 
the organization and the way we do things has evolved and the mission has has evolved in some ways um but in essence it is the same it's just the way we go about it is different um and uh it will continue. That's kind of why I'm hesitant to give you a 10 year plan because I know <laughs> by the time year 10 rolls around, we'll have five and a half more years of failure to inform what we're doing then. Um, and I, I, I'm like, bring it on, bring it on, baby. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so cool. great of mentality. I love it. Mm, just to just embody flexibility. That's a, uh... Yeah, it's, it's really good. <laughs> oh, <Thanks. laughs> um, I have a question, like, do you believe in taking small steps or big steps when it comes to sustainability? Which which one do you think is more effective? Ooh, spicy question. I love that one. Um, <laughs> I think it depends who you are, honestly. I think we can't expect everyone to take big steps. I do think you have to meet people where they're at in life and in the world. Like I would never ask my my brother to be vegan, for example. He, he wouldn't go vegan, he loves meat. But what I might do is ask my brother to, to I don't know, do vegan Mondays or something and try and educate Maybe him on what the, he, he probably still wouldn't do it, but we could try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to still meet people where they're at in in understanding with empathy that not everyone has this lens of the world that we look that we look at the world with like some people don't see those problems as, as being important to them so for them i think small steps are key you know we can we can teach somebody that you know, if you cut back your meat consumption, I, I'm not going to say a statistic because I would be making it up. But if you cut your <laughs> cut back your meat uh, meat consumption by once a week, you save X amount of water per year, or you save X amount of whatever per whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And by empowering them with those baby steps, then we can hopefully create a movement of people who are taking baby steps. I think for people like us. The only way to go is by taking big steps. I mean, people like us who are oriented toward being driven in our hearts and our souls to do good. Uh, and we don't have time. We, we, we got nine years left. I'm looking at my watch as if my watch is like, like <laughs> we have nine years left. And oh, yeah. so, like, if I'm just going vegan every Monday for the next nine years, but I have this heart for climate, then I've done nothing with my heart for climate. I've done relatively small things with my heart for climate. And so I, um, I believe wholeheartedly that there's a place for everyone in the world of sustainable development. Give it whatever word you want to. Social impact space, there's space for everyone. Um, we just have to ensure that everyone feels like they play a role big or small in making the world better that's beautiful <laughs> yeah poetry in motion <laughs> i didn't hear what did you say oh i just said poetry in motion oh yes yes <laughs> i agree i wanted to try and find i wrote um i did find this in the notes of my phone recently i don't know if i'll i'll be able to find it but um i like wrote oh no we lost oh, it. Yeah. no <laughs> No, I need to know. <laughs> we need you. Um, oh, well, she's not here. I guess I, we're just giving her more cutting work. <laughs> okay, I found it. So Ooh. this was before I even wrote my plan for you, 2030. Anita might want to hear this. Um, so this is a note in my phone. I wrote it on a plane. I remember this. Ooh. I called it the Be the Change Project giving young people the opportunities to lead global change projects globally with the help of mentors and teams they will develop projects and see the project through and then i've got just like lots of random other oh, <laughs> wow that's really nice it's, it's, it just already shows you like how how many parts you need to to be able to uh, help people become the change maker that they are by right? the, the support and everything. It's, it's a really beautiful, like, belief to have to just share that with others. Anita, yes, you're back. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Repeat the, the poem. <laughs> yeah, so we're giving you more homework to cut out what we just said because I was looking <laughs> because I actually wrote in my phone. I I found this recently. This is in 2014, so way before Unite. I remember I wrote notes to myself on a plane and I went and I found it while you were gone. Aww. So this is, so I, I found my mission, Vicky, which I didn't tell you. It says mission, parentheses, vague, to provide young global leaders with the opportunity to create, develop, and sustain global change projects in order to develop skills to become the most successful group of young change makers in the world. Very long, but cute. And we're getting there. <laughs> and I called it the Be the Change Project. And I wrote, giving young people the opportunities to lead global change projects with the help of a mentor and teams. They will develop projects and see the project through. People can participate from all over the world. That was October 25th, 2014. I wrote that in my phone. And here we are. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. And here we are. Here we go. Alyssa, and are you not inspired with like how far you've come with the organization? Like in terms of like the partnership that you 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 you've had, like the big name, and just like everything that have been, that has been like um you know that you you've been through with United Twenty in terms of um recognition, in terms of your reach. Uh, last year, our campaign um, reached, if I'm not mistaken, over a hundred thousand people. You know. Um, the nations all over the world of delegates you've had, are you not inspired? Just <laughs> looking back uh, at that moment when you were writing your mission statement in, in the airport or in, in, in the air, airplane, you know, and looking at where you are right now and how far you've come, are you like not inspired? I think um, I, I am inspired, but uh, I don't know if inspired is the right the right word actually i i look back at that and i'm i'm really proud of what not not what i have been able to accomplish but what this community has been able to accomplish um i you know even though i'm the founder of this community i am certainly not this community like this community thrives because of the the members of it and i'm just using what I am good at to be able to try and elevate the voices of the community. So yes, like from a personal level, I'm proud of the things that I've overcome and things have been really challenging at times. And I've been at my absolute lowest of low in, you know, trying to figure out, is this going to work or am I making an impact? And it's, it's constant questioning and constant reflecting. Um, but I am, and this sounds like a, such a cop-out answer, but I am way more proud of what we've been able to accomplish together as a community than I, than I, what I am about myself and my ability to, you know, build these partnerships or my ability to build this community because it wasn't me. It, what I, what I did was put the mission out there for people to see if people would be interested in it. And luckily people were interested in it, but not right away. I, you know, it took fine tuning from that really long wordy mission statement that I just read you <laughs> and to, to get to now. So, um, and I'm, I'm always humbled by the work of, of all the young change makers we work with because the resilience that, um, that our change makers display and, and passion and, wit and intellect is like far beyond my level of wit and intellect, like by far. Um, and I, you know, they always say like, never be the smartest person in the room. And if you're the smartest person in the room, like you should leave and find another room. Uh, I feel constantly like the dumbest person in the room because I get to listen to these conversations all the time. And that's not like a bad thing about me. That's just like, everyone's amazing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so utterly inspired by the change that we've been able to create in the last four and a half years. And I, I just look forward to the future to, to continue. That's such wow. a humble response. Yeah. And, and, and so my, in my personal opinion, <laughs> in my personal opinion, I think you, you are allowed to be 
proud of yourself. Don't don't forget that every week now, 75 delegates are inspired by your your speeches and, and everything that you've accomplished so far. You are the 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 head of this, the face of this uh, organization. And I think even though you feel like everyone has helped you so far, you, you can be proud of yourself because you are yeah, you are in this position and, and you're inspiring so many people. You're finding me, you're inspiring Anita. I, uh, yeah, I, I think you, you are allowed to, at least for a little bit, be proud of yourself. Thank you. Exactly. Thank That's you so much. Not <laughs> all of ourselves on the back. Yeah, so <laughs> out even keeping you um, even longer, Alyssa, thank you so much for availing yourself. Thank you so much for giving as um, time from your busy schedule, we know how busy you are. <laughs> um, so we really, truly appreciate you being here. And yeah, unfortunately we've reached the end of today's episode. However, next week we'll be back with another um, episode. Next week we'll be discussing SDG4 quality education since um, it's International Education Day on the 24th. So yeah, stay tuned and don't forget to like and follow our social media pages at United 2030 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So from our side, stay safe. Goodbye.